Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We're going through the book of Mark. We've been going through the book of Mark since we launched last September. And um, I just really wanted to continue in the book and kind of look at the life and ministry of Jesus. The, the thing I love about the book of Mark, it's a fast-paced, fast-moving book showing the life of Jesus. And now we are just a couple, a few weeks short of Jesus going to the cross. And so it's going to get more and more intense. It's going to get more and more heated up. It's going to get more and more uh, uh, confrontational, if you would. So today we're going to look at what we call the story of the rich young ruler. Now, the interesting thing about the rich young ruler is, is it doesn't say it here in the book of Mark, but it says it in, in the correlating Gospels, uh, it lets us know that they actually call him specifically the rich young ruler. Now, this guy's an interesting, interesting guy, okay? But if you turn with me in chapter 10, verse 17, we're going to pick it off, pick it up where we left off. It says this. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, some versions say fell down before him or knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? By the way, that's the most important question that we need to ask. And it's the most important question that we're going to answer today. What must I do to inherit eternal life and he said Jesus said why do you call me good no one is good except God alone you know the commandments do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not bear false witness do not defraud honor your father and mother and he said to him teacher I have kept all these from my youth Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Circle that. Underline that. Highlight it. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, some of your versions say, pick up your cross and follow me. Mine says, then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand. And he went away sorrowful or grieving because he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Then then the, the disciples were astonished at his words. And again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished, saying to one another, then who could be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but with God, because all things are possible with God. And Peter began to tell him, Look, we have left everything to follow you. I love Peter, right? Hey, look, Lord, we left, we left everything to follow you. I just love this guy. He gives me hope. Truly, 
I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, with persecutions, got to throw that in, right? And eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for all these beautiful people that have come here today. I pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts in a powerful, powerful way. God, that you would do far beyond all that we ask or think, that you would change our lives, that we would not leave here the same. God, we invite your Holy Spirit here to teach us and, and, and move us and mold us and shape us and equip us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So the rich young ruler, this man had everything. This man lacked nothing. He had possessions, he had power, he had prestige, he had it all. He had all that the world had to offer. And on top of that, he was young, right? I mean, so, I mean, most of us have to work our whole life. We get to the end of the life and we have power, prestige, uh, position, and possessions, right? But this guy, he had them at a very, very young age. He was set for life. He had the big house, the fancy cars. If he was married, he had a beautiful wife. If he wasn't, all the girls wanted to marry him. He had a vacation home. He had, he had everything. I mean, he had a retirement fund. He, he had everything. And I say this all the time. I don't have a retirement fund. I don't have a 401k. I have a 401 wedding. I have six girls. And so he had it all. And I have two boys too, but the six girls, well, you know what I'm saying, right? He had everything. He had servants and influence and lots of friends and money to burn. <laughs> he had everything. And you think, because he had everything, that he would be satisfied. You think because he had everything, he'd be happy. You think because he had everything, he'd be blessed. But there is a longing. You cannot read this text without seeing an emptiness, a longing, a desire for something else. What was that hunger of the heart? Why did, with all this stuff that he had, why did he run up to Jesus and fall down on his, on his face before him and ask this so important question that I hope you have asked yourself, and if you, if, you're, if you don't know Jesus, that you would ask this question today, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Yet with everything he had, this, the reason he, he was empty, he was searching for something, there was a, a void in his life. With everything he had, it still wasn't enough. How many of you have experienced that, right? I mean, I had a house in Newport Beach. I had Harleys. I had boats. I had car fancy cars. I had everything. I mean, two houses from the beach in Newport. I had it all, yet I had nothing. There was still a longing, a desire, a want, a need that I was missing, and I did not understand that I was missing it, but I knew 
deep down inside that I was empty. That no amount of partying, no amount of girls, no amount of cars, no amount of houses, bunny, cat, whatever it may be, would ever going to satisfy me. And I kept striving and striving. Well, you know what? Maybe when I get the wife, I'll be happy. Maybe when I, when I meet that next Mark, right? You know, Rockefeller, at the end of his life, he said, you know, you've got all this, but they asked him, you got all this money. How much money, how much more money do you need? How many more dollars do you need? And he said, just one more. And so this young, rich ruler who had it all when he heard the truth and he was empty and missing, he still turned around and walked away. Why would a guy come up to Jesus, ask this question, and then turn around and walk away? And not only did he walk away, but he walked away grieving. He walked away sorrowful. He walked away broken. I'll tell you why. The answer is really simple. He did not love God as much as he loved his money. He did not love God as much as he loved his stuff. And that's a danger for everybody in this room, whether you're a believer or you're far from God this morning. It, it, wherever you are right now, it, here's, what, here's what I know. It matters. Because if there's anything in your life that is more important than God, you are in a situation. He had, and, and I'll just put it in the simplest terms, and he had the American deities, I guess you would say, or the American idols, right? He had an idol in his life. He had something in his life that was more important than God. And here's what I know. If you want to know if it's an idol in your life, the same thing that happened to him, kick it over. Take it away from that person. And you will know whether it's an idol or not. And this man here wasn't willing to have his idols taken away or kicked over. He wasn't willing. But Jesus looked at him anyways and loved him. And all the things that he had. We all think we have them. Cars, houses, boats, jobs, promotion, money, spouse, kids. We'll be satisfied. But friends... If you hear nothing else this morning, it is a lie. Yeah, you may be happy for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or a week or a year or a month or whatever. But it's a lie. There's only one thing that satisfies and that's Jesus. So the last church that I pastored up in Idaho, there was an a elder there that was a... Um, that was a uh, he was on my elder board and just a, a great guy, a banker. 
And uh, he said that, that couples would come in all the time, and he'd help them work out a budget. He was, he was actually the guy that did all our financial stuff at our church. He was our secretary, our treasurer at the church, and uh, would help people. We you know if somebody was struggling with money, and they were trying to get back on their feet, or they just had a bankruptcy, we would come in, and we'd counsel them and help them get back on their feet and, and get their money in order and, and so on and so forth. But So what he, he, what he told me one day, he said this. He said, there's couples that come in all the time. And they're like, if we just have this house or we just have this car, we will be happy. And so he works a budget up for them and they look at it together and he's like, you can't afford this house. You need to go a hundred grand less or take a step down from the car that you want. No, we got to have it. This is that one thing that's going to make us so happy. And he would run into them six months, a year later at the grocery store. He'd say, how are you guys doing? Well, we're separated right now. We fight all the time. We're stressed out. And he doesn't say, ha, I told you it was going to make you miserable. He prays for them and encourages them and says, hey, you know, if I can help in any way. But they thought it was going to make them happy. And while he was, before he gave them the loan, he was saying, guys, I know you think this is going to make you happy, but it's going to make you miserable. Yet they wouldn't listen. What is that one thing right now? I'm talking to you guys right now. Think about it. What is that one thing right now that you think you, if you had it, right? If you had it, would make you happy. What is that one thing that if you had right now would make you happy, right? I mean, we all have a couple, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think that way all the time, right? What is this one thing, right? Yet here's this man, he runs up like he's dying, like he has leprosy, like all the lepers and the Jarius who lost his, you know, his, his daughter was dying. He, he runs up to this guy and he falls down. Uh, 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 he runs up to Jesus and he falls down. And he asks the question, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Many here are asking the same question this morning, I believe. How do I get to heaven? How, am I, how can I be saved? How can I have eternal life? What happens after this life, right? What happens when I die? <laughs> if, if you haven't wrestled with that question, you're either under 35. Because <laughs> I was, you know, 5 foot 11 and bulletproof, right? How many of you were like that, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean... Yet here he is, and he asks this question, and I have the answer. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't buy it. It is a free gift from the King of Kings and the Lord of glory through his Father who sent his only begotten Son to die on a cross for you, to take the wrath of God, the judgment of God, your sins on the cross, and he died for you, and all you have to do is believe what I just said right there, and you will be saved. You will inherit eternal life. That's mind-boggling. It can't be that easy, Garrett. There's got to be something I have to do 
There's got to be some, some way I have to earn it. I have to do something to please God. Yes, believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will please God. You will become a child of God. It is that simple. I mean, it says right here in Ephesians chapter 2, I love this verse. It says this. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not from work so that anyone can boast. I love that. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a free gift from God. So Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet, and this was a good Jewish boy, so he was going to deal with him a little bit differently. And this guy tells Jesus that all he had done, he said, look, I've, look in verse 19 with me. It says this. It says, look at all I've done. It says, you know the commandments, Jesus tells him, right? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud him, do not uh, honor your mother and your father. And he said, teacher, you can almost see him probably getting excited. Teacher, I've done all these things from my youth. I've done all these things from my youth. But Jesus looks at him and says, one thing you lack. Basically he's saying, I've done all these things from my youth. I'm a good person. I'm a good, moral person. My good has outweighed my bad, right? I'm a good, moral person. My good has outweighed my bad. I got to be going to heaven. But there were two tablets. And check this out. Jesus lays out the things on the second tablet. He lays out the parts in the Ten Commandments that have to do with loving your neighbor. And this man had loved his neighbor as himself. He was a good, moral man. He was a good, moral man. And not only was he moral, but he was humble. How do I know that? Because he, he came to Jesus broken and falls down before Jesus' feet. So not only is he a good, moral man, he is also a humble man. Yet Jesus looks him right in the eye and he says, One thing you lack. One thing you lack. You see, he had forgotten about the other tablet, the very first commandment. What's the very first commandment, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You see what Jesus is doing here? See, this is a good Jewish boy. So, 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 so he would have been raised on the law since he was a young man. So he would have instantly got it. He would have instantly got it. He was like, yeah, you're loving your neighbor as yourself, but are you... Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You see, the first commandment is what this man was missing. And we, get, we compact the Ten Commandments into two statements, right? As Christians, right? We love the Lord God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Jesus says what? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Well, he'd gotten the second part of that down. He had that down. But what he was missing was the first part. And Jesus calls him out on it. Jesus knew that he was in love with his stuff, his position, his power, his possessions, his prestige. And so Jesus calls him out on it. And I love what Jesus states in, 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 the, in the Beatitudes. He says, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Notice the two words Jesus uses there. Hate one or love one. Devoted to one or despise one. 
You cannot love both. It is literally impossible is what Jesus is saying here. And so Jesus takes him to the mat, so to speak, and he, 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 he reveals his heart to him and says, look, one thing you lack, and all the guy had to do is, is, is lay that idol down and pick up his cross and follow Jesus. Jesus tells this guy the truth, and man, this is one of the most heartbreaking stories to me. And he walks away because he wasn't willing to give up that one thing, that something or that someone, and pick up his cross and follow Jesus. And I ask myself this question all the time, and I'm going to ask you, and I don't ask you this question to beat you up, but who do you serve? Who do you follow? And if you answer that question, no one, then we know who you serve and who you follow. Because if you don't serve and follow Jesus Christ and Him crucified, then you follow yourself. And so Jesus is he's taking this man somewhere he doesn't want to go. And this man was not willing to give up what he could not keep to gain what he could not lose, Jim Elliot. And Jesus calls another man foolish in another parable that he lays out. He says this, he says, Jesus said to these guys, he said, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable, he said, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this night your very life is demanded of you. And all the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. <laughs> this man was not willing to give up what he could not keep, to gain what he could not lose. And I would even go on to say, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world, Jesus says, and lose his own soul? Let me repeat that. What will it gain a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? Now, I want to clarify something, because being rich is not a sin. Being rich, money is needed for the gospel and the kingdom building. Missionaries can't live on the mission field without, without generous, rich, and sometimes poor people sacrificing to give to people on the, ministry, in the mission field. Church buildings cannot be built without generous people giving generous donations uh, to, to, be in, 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 to proclamate the gospel. So being rich isn't necessarily a bad thing. Matter of fact, this building was given to us by some generous men who did all the build-out in here as well. Very generous men that have a, have a lot of money, but they give it away faster than they bring it in. I mean, not the faster than they bring it in, but literally. Some of them live on the 90-10 principle, right? And so 
we have been blessed by generous men to move into this building, which would have never happened without them. So being rich isn't bad. You have Abraham, who had flocks and field, who was, who was God's man, right? God, God said, I will bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will bless those who bless you. God is going to do so much through your life. I mean, it's cool, right? I mean, you have Job, one of the richest men, Joseph. Joseph was second command of the world's biggest uh, 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 nation at the time, right? You have King David, tons of money, gold and silver and, and everything you can ever imagine. You have Daniel. I mean, these guys were well off. They were well off, man. Matter of fact, when he, when he interprets the dream, he make, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar makes Daniel second in the kingdom, gives him a, a robe and a ring and, 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 and everything else. So being rich is not a bad thing as long as it doesn't dominate you. As long as it doesn't own you. As long as it doesn't get in the way of you and your God. As long as it doesn't get in the way of you and the worship of a holy, righteous God who is madly in love with you. And he knows what's best for you. Matter of fact, it says in Timothy, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. You people quote that and say, the root of money is the root of all evil. It's not, it's all kinds of evil. And he goes on to say, he says, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and been pierced themselves with many grief. It's about the craving do you crave God? Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Here's what I know. The more you hunger and thirst for righteousness, the more hungry you become for God. It's just a, it just naturally plays out. It's not like food, right? Yeah, 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 you know what? You can, you can eat and be satisfied. But me, I mean, me, I like when I get uh, something God speaks to me or something, I, get, I become more and more hungry for him. I want to know more and more and more and more about him. And, and, and that's kind of what's going on here, right? He's saying, look, rich young ruler, we'll call him Bob. He's saying, Bob. You need to get that thing out of your life that is keeping you from wholehearted worship of me. And we can, we can, we, you take that with a, with a Christian, right? Is there something in your life that's, that's killing your joy or robbing your peace or, 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 or destroying your contentment, right? Is there something in your life that's keeping these things Keeping you from experiencing the abundant life. And that's why God gives us this love letter. He says, look, this is my instruction to you. And if you follow it and you keep it, you'll bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. You will be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. You will have peace. You will have joy. You will have contentment. And yeah, I might even give you money too. But when you get it, he knows that you'll use it to bless, to feed. What is the master passion of your life? Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, verse 19, he says, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust where thieves don't break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be 
also. Don't be like this guy. His youth left him unsatisfied. His money left him feeling unfulfilled. His morality and religious activity didn't fill the deep, deepest longing in his soul. His powers, prestige, and possession, uh, all of it didn't. It failed to give him what he wanted most and what he needed most. And guys, <laughs> I, I, I'll just say this. You have idols in your life, you're not going to have peace. You have idols in your life, you're not going to experience joy. You have idols in your life, you will not experience the contentment that God has for you. How do I know that? Because he had to kick down a few in my life before. Check this out. Look what he says here. He says this. Basically, he's telling this guy, you can't serve riches, you can't serve the and serve the kingdom of God, your, whether it's your girlfriend or your flesh or your children or your job or your wife or your life, whatever it may be in your life. I had a friend of mine. Um, she was a godly woman, a godly mother. She was raising her kids. She was, you know, homeschooling her kids. And she had this perfect little American dream life. And everything was beautiful. And um, she'd been married to her high school sweetheart. And, and their marriage was good, so she thought. And he was leading the home with Bible studies and prayer and everything else. And then she find out, found out that he was having an affair. That he was cheating on her. Well, let's just call it what it is, adultery, Right? He found out, she finds out, and her whole world fell apart. And so we came alongside of her as a church, and we began to love her and encourage her, and um, they moved away, and he did it again and again, and finally they ended up in a divorce. But after I talked to her, here's what she told me, which I thought was extremely interesting. She said, my marriage, I realized, had become an idol in my life. My family had become an idol, and, 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 and she didn't even know it. But here's this woman out of her own mouth saying, I had, put, I, had, I had been, look at me, look at my family, look at my marriage. Everything's perfect in my life. I mean, and she said, when God kicked over that idol in my life, everything around me came crumbling down, and I realized it. And sometimes we don't even realize it, right? Our children, we're supposed to love our children. We're supposed to care for our children. We're supposed to take care of our children. We're supposed to teach our children. We're supposed to disciple our children. But what happens is sometimes these little children become little gods in our lives. And they, and they get in the way of your relationship with a holy, righteous, awesome God who says, look, if you seek me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then what will happen is it will naturally become out of you, will flow rivers of living water, and, able, and you'll be able to minister to your kids. Your kids will be healthier. Your marriage will be healthier. And so God says, look, if you put me first, I will bless your marriage. If you put me first, I will bless your children. If you put me first, I will bless your work. If you put me first, I will bless your life. And he promises. And that's what I love about Jesus. Because I have taken him up on so many things so many times. Oh yeah, let's see. Okay, let's go. And every time, he turns out to be true and Garrett turns out to be the liar. And why I can't do it every time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get an amen, right? Why can't I do it every single time? Because I'm a knucklehead and I'm a slow learner, right? 
And the closer I get to God, what happens is he begins to reveal stuff that I didn't even know were idols or I didn't even know were sin. That's why at the end of Paul's life, he, said, he called himself, I'm the chief of sinner. And I look at Paul's life and I go, dude, if you're the chief of sinner, man, what am I? Right? I mean, you're... But here's the deal. The closer he got to Jesus, the more he realized and saw he needed Jesus even more. And so I, I just want to encourage you guys this morning. Let's, let's finish up this text real quick. Of course, he says, you know, camel, go through an eye of a needle. Obviously, they didn't have blenders back then. Um, that was bad. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> um, rich person in the kingdom of God, but Jesus answers and says, then, you know, they say, who can be saved? And he says, with man it is impossible, but not with God because of the cross, because all things are possible with God. Because of the cross, you can be saved. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. None of that has to happen. And then he goes on, Peter began to tell him, of course, Peter style, look, we have left everything to follow you, but here's, here's what I want to show you in verse 29. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, their father, their children, or fields for my sake, for the gospel's sake, who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time and eternal life. I had another friend I went to Bible college with, and she uh, was in the co uh, at college with me in Austria. And um, the interesting thing about this young lady is she told me, she said, uh, at a missions conference I was at, I ran into her, and she said, Garrett... You know, the verse to me that has rung more true in my life is this very verse right here because she said this. She says, I was abused as a child. I, um, my dad finally left us, me and my mom. My mom had to work three jobs for all my brothers and sisters. And when I went to school, nobody liked me. Everybody picked on me. Everybody made fun of me. I had no friends. And then I came to Christ. Then God saved me. Then God redeemed me. And she said to me, she goes, Garrett, this is the most amazing thing ever. She said, within my first few months of Bible college, I had more friends than I could count. Now I can go to almost any nation in the world and I can stay. I have a place to stay. Pick the nation. Eastern Europe, Europe, Asia, Latin America. It does not matter. I have friends in every country all over the world. And I can stay in any country all over the world. And here's the best part. Some countries I go to, my friends are fighting over who, whether I get to stay with them or them. She said, not only is God my father, but you're my brother that this verse talks about right here. And he has given me more than I could ever dream or imagine. Wow. I absolutely love that. It was such an encouragement to me. And then at the end there, and I'll close with this, but many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. Friends, if you love that more than you love him, if you love power, prestige, position, or possessions more than you love him, then the first will be last and the last will be first. I mean, we cannot miss what Jesus is trying to say to us this morning, whether you're saved or unsaved. 